Welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome back to Wellness Your Way, my friends. I have another fantastic interview for you today, and I know you'll love learning about how we can live well to beyond 120 years old, some simple tips we can all implement to improve our health span today, different types of stress, and so much more. Let me tell you about our guest. Jeffrey Gladden, MD, FACC, is the founder of Gladden Longevity. Jeff graduated with honors from Temple University Medical School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and was elected to the AOA Medical Honor Society. He completed his internship and residency in internal medicine at Case Western Reserve's University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio, and he completed his interventional cardiology training at the University of Colorado's Health Sciences Center in Denver, Colorado. He then moved to Dallas, Texas, where he practiced interventional cardiology for 25 years. During this time, he built his own cardiology group, Advanced, Health, Advanced Heart Care, and grew it to 10 offices and 12 cardiologists serving North Texas and Southeast Oklahoma. He developed cardiology programs for outlying hospitals, including STEMI systems, CHF programs, and atrial fibrillation programs. He and his group ended up starting three interventional cardiology cardiac cath lab programs, and he also had the opportunity to co-found the Heart Hospital Baylor Scott & White in Plano, Texas. He has been involved with several medical device and pharma startups and currently serves on the boards of two of these companies. And from a personal perspective, when he got sick in his early 50s, he was told he should just take an antidepressant and make peace with the fact that he was getting older but he refused to accept that, as you'll hear in this episode today. It was at that point he threw himself into integrative medicine, functional medicine, and age management medicine, and he cracked the code for himself after just two and a half years. He then decided to leave the sick care world and focus on health care and subsequently began Gladden Longevity. He and his practice are empowered by several questions. How good can we be? How do we make 100 the new 30? And how do we live well beyond 120? He can be heard weekly on his podcast, Living Beyond 120, with his co-host, Mark Young, PhD. Now, as you'll hear Dr. Gladden mention in this episode, I've actually been partnering with Gladden Longevity to provide nutrition consulting and health coaching services for many of their clients over the past three-plus years. Gladden Longevity has an integrative and comprehensive approach to health that I love, and our guest, Dr. Gladden, is going to share a lot of the learnings from his practice in this episode. So let's dive in. All right, Dr. Jeff Gladden, thank you so much for coming on Wellness Your Way. I'm thrilled to have you. Oh, it's great to be here, Megan. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, You know, I think um, we've been working together for what, the last three years, maybe three, three, four years? Maybe even more. Yes. Maybe even more. Yeah. So we had a chance to meet um, 
And, you know, my, my journey really was, uh, I went to medical school uh, at Temple, did my internal medicine at Case Western, did my cardiology at the University of Colorado. Then I came to Texas and practiced interventional cardiology for 25 years, right? So I ended up doing a lot of things in that space. I ended up building my own heart group. Uh, we ended up with 12 docs and 10 offices and flew around in a little plane. And I ended up starting cath labs and cardiac rehab programs and STEMI programs, which are programs designed to stop heart attacks and congestive heart failure programs, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then something happened to me. I got sick in my 50s and um, I was starting to put weight around the middle. I was getting tired all the time. I was having a hard time getting out of bed. And if I would be stressed, I would find myself kind of going over this cliff of depression. It was like you couldn't talk yourself out of it. You were just over the cliff. Um, and so there was the anxiety depression piece. And then my, my dad actually, who died of dementia, um, I was starting to have some brain fog and I'm like, Whoa, this is, this is not cool. So I went and, um, and got tested, if you will, uh, by one of my colleagues and, and I'll never forget, uh, all the test results came back and I was basically told, Hey, uh, you know, everything checks out for your age. Um, you're just getting older. Why don't you take an antidepressant? And I thought, you know, here I am, whatever it was, 53, 54, somewhere in that time frame. And I'm like, wow, I cannot believe that I've reached the pinnacle of my life and that everything is going to be downhill from here. I can't believe that. I can't believe I'm not going to be able to keep up with my kids. I can't believe I'm not going to be able to keep up with my grandkids. Right. And so it's like, no, I'm not willing to accept that. I'm really not willing to accept that. And so that's when I threw myself into functional medicine, integrative medicine, age management medicine. And then it took me about two and a half years, but I actually ended up cracking the code for myself in terms of what was actually going on, but what was really going on. And it turned out that I had something called subclinical hypothyroidism, where all your blood tests look in the normal range, but I didn't get enough thyroid into my cells. And I figured that out with biometric testing. And then genetic testing told me that I don't convert inactive thyroid to active thyroid in my brain as efficiently as I should. So getting on the right T3, T4 combination uh, made a lot of difference. And all of a sudden the lights came back on. And then the, uh, the weight gain and things like that, I was getting hormonally depleted at that point in my life. Testosterone was going down, DHEA was going down, et cetera. And I'd never struggled with any of that. But uh, once I got those you know, back in line, um, all of a sudden I put on like, you know, 12 pounds of muscle and lost 20 pounds of fat. And I was back to pretty much what I weighed in college. Right. So it's like, that was pretty cool. And then when I did my genetics, I figured out that I just don't make certain neurotransmitters as efficiently as I should. And that was the real issue with the brain fog and the depression. So once I got on the right supplements, and very importantly, in this podcast, started avoiding the right foods or the wrong foods, if you will. Um, then all of a sudden, my brain kind of turned back on. And then since that day, we've done so much more in terms of brain function. I mean, we're just knocking it out of the park with brain function optimization. So anyway, that's, that was kind of, that's a little bit of my story of how I got to here. And, and what I did in the process was after I actually figured that out for two and a half years, I I realized that I'd been practicing sick care and not health care, that if you got sick enough, you'd come see me, but uh, nobody came to see me because I wanted to get healthy. Um, and I realized I, I 
wanted to ask a different question. I didn't want to ask, are you sick or having symptoms? I wanted to ask, how good can you be, right? How good can we be? How fit, how strong, how mentally sharp, how many years and decades can you carry that forward? And that question has evolved into two other ones. How do we make 100 to new 30? And how do you live well, quote unquote, well beyond 120? So I left my cardiology practice and started what's now become GLAD and Longevity. And we're devoted 100% of the time, day and night, really to answering those three questions. So that's kind of how I got to, to be here. And then we started working with you because we needed somebody that was super knowledgeable in food. Our clients, we do a lot of testing, as you under, as you know. Uh, we needed somebody that could uh, make that real for our clients. In other words, interpret it, give them meal plans, et cetera. So you wanna, you know, you've done a fabulous job of that. So thank you. I very much appreciate your approach. And what you just said was such a, a beautiful illustration of what we were talking about before we got on the mic, which is a combination of listening to your body and seeing the data. So you knew as you were sick that something was not right with you that you weren't functioning optimally, even if the basic test told you, yeah, you're fine, you knew there was more and you dove in and got that testing to find what would help you feel optimal. I love that story. And I love that you help other people do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think for the listeners, I think, you know, it's a, it's difficult because we're kind of brought up that we have healthcare, we have health insurance and we have a healthcare system and we sort of, you know, in our minds, either subconsciously or consciously, we kind of rely on them. They're going to keep us healthy. Um, That's going to keep me healthy. But in actual fact, um, it's much more accurate to reframe it as a sick care system and sick care insurance. And that's going to come into play when you get sick. But if you want to actually optimize your health, uh, you're going to have to look outside the sick care system. That, That system will never help you optimize your health. And that's one of the big epiphanies that I had. So if you want to you know, if you really want to optimize your life, you're going to need to work outside that system. Uh, and that's, that's one big takeaway. Yeah. So today, what do most of your clients come to you for, as opposed to the STEMI clients stopping a heart attack or something like that? What are some of the common complaints you hear? Yeah. People come to us, um, they come to us basically, you know, and I'm just going to give you the age train. We have people in their thirties, we have people in their eighties, right? So Um, everybody comes to us because they um, are not doing as well as they would like to, right? And that could be a myriad of of complaints. Um, they have extra weight. They don't have enough energy. They're suffering with high blood pressure. They had a heart attack. Um, their hormones are off. Uh, they've seen a doctor and things have gotten screwed up and they want somebody to sort it out. They're worried about cancer. Um, it runs in their family. Um they typically are successful people um, and not only financially successful, but they're kind of people that are successful at life, right? They, they have figured out how to have good relationships. They really enjoy their work. Um, most of them are entrepreneurs or, or business owners. They, um, they're not interested in retiring um, because there's no, no work. They're, they're not really not doing work. They're doing what they love. And so they want to maybe sell this company, build two more, you know, they, they kind of are successful at life and they want to keep that going. They, they also want to contribute, right? And so they understand that without their health, they're not going to be able to build the next business or contribute to their community, their family, their church, whatever it is they, they want to contribute to. So they come to us once they kind of hit that 
place where they start to feel their own mortality, right? Around that, I can't mm-hmm. run as fast. I was running six minute miles. Now I'm running eight minute miles. You know, I don't like that. Um, I don't hit the golf ball as far, you know, whatever their metric might be. Um, they come to us when they start to feel that aging process, that mortality. And that's, that's typically what trips the wire. So. Love it. And I will, uh, second everything that you said, your clients are enthusiastic about their health. They're not just trying to check the box and hold off till the next physical or something like that. They're really interested in optimizing their health, which is why they come to you. You're a specialist in longevity, and that's a a passion that I know uh, you've been cultivating over the past several years. So what sparked your interest in longevity and sharing that with other people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, you hear um, a lot of people talk about longevity these days. Um, And it's interesting, if you go into uh, a group and you you ask, how many of you in the group would like to live to be 100? you know, very few people will raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you ask the question, how many of you would like to be 100 if you could feel like you were 30? And pretty much all the hands go up, right? Yes. So it's clear that what people are dreading is decline. Right? Yeah. They're, they're dreading a loss of capacity, a loss of performance. Uh, you know, that's generalizable across every organ system, uh, every activity. And that's kind of what they're dreading. So this idea of longevity is really probably better framed up as health jeopardy in the sense how healthy can you be and for how long? And when I started to feel really good again, I started to wonder, well, I wonder if I can feel this good. I would just wonder how far we can carry that forward. So that kind of really got me interested in longevity. Um, And what I've actually uh, put together, uh, people can go to the website and, and hear me talk about this, but it's, uh, you know, it's at gladdenlongevity.com. But I've created something that kind of encapsulates the way we think. And there are basically at the heart of it are three circles. There's a circle of longevity, a circle of health, and a circle of performance. And if you can imagine a Venn diagram for a minute um, where those three circles are interlaced with each other, right? Not overlapping, but they're, they're each interlaced. Mm-hmm. Um, it You come to understand that all of them are interrelated. Um, so if you get healthy, let's say you're going to start eating well uh, and you're going to start exercising and you lose 20 pounds and you put on some muscle and you feel much better, you're working really in the health quadrant, we'll call it. It filters over into the performance quadrant. Your performance does go up. It filters into longevity, but it doesn't fully address longevity. It doesn't fully address performance, right? Right. So the problem for most of us is that we don't understand what kind of game we're playing. Um, and what I mean by that is that, um, you know, if we ask anybody, anybody listening to this, what are you going to be like 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I don't know. I'm probably going to be about like I am right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to feel into that 10 years from now, I'll probably be about like I am right now. Right. Yeah. And so we kind of get diluted by this sense that we're going to be the same 10 years or 20 years from now, even though all around us, all of our peers, right? All of our parents, grandparents, aunts, yes. cousins, all of them, you see them all aging. And, and the game that they're losing at is an exponential game of, of aging, right? I mean, people age a lot more between 70 and 80 than they do between 40 and 50, right? Yeah. And why is that? 
So it turns out that in that circle of longevity, there are factors and there, there are more than nine hallmarks of aging, but there are nine hallmarks of aging that were popularized in an article back in 2013 in Cell. And it's become probably one of the most quoted papers in longevity, but it outlines the underlying biological processes that directly contribute to the aging process. Mm. And so when you're focused on getting healthy, like I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get my insulin level down, my blood sugar is going to be under better control, my blood pressure is going to improve, you know, all those kinds of things, that's working on health. But it's still not addressing those items in the circle of longevity. And so as I've worked in this field, I came to realize that really the only way to make 100 to new 30 is to focus on all three circles. Mm -hmm. You've got to focus on all three circles. And that's actually the game that you're playing. Um, And I, I hope the audience gets some insight from that because it's not just a game of how do I eat better and how do I exercise more? Um, how do I take some hormones? That's all working within just a single circle. And unless you're really encompassing all of those, you're still going to decline, right? Everybody that ate well and exercised, they're still dead. (laughs) Yes. Nobody cracked the hay flick limit. Nobody lived beyond 120. Nobody looked like they were 30 when they were a hundred, right? Right. So obviously there's more to it than just eating well and exercising, getting some sleep. So anyway, I think, I think it's real important for people to understand the game they're playing and then understand that actually um, we feel like we're starting to win that game. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. One of my things that make my skin crawl is when a client comes to me and they say, oh, well, I'm tired. I'm sluggish. I have no sex drive. I'm gaining weight, blah, blah, blah. But it's just because I'm, I'm 40 now. Once I turn 40, something happens. You know that. Don't you know that, Megan? And I'm like, oh, goodness. Well, I understand those symptoms. And those are things that I want to work with you to address. But nothing magically happens when every single person is 40 or you fill in the blank with the number. That's right. Now, this is a great point uh, that you make. And this is another reason that people don't take action and don't take control of their health. It's because we've normalized the aging process. Yeah. Well, I get to 40. I'm not supposed to feel like I did when I was 30. I'm not supposed to feel like I did when I was 20. Certainly when I'm 60, I'm not supposed to feel like, and by the way, I should start thinking about retirement. I should probably think about slowing down, right? Mm -hmm. We've normalized all of these societal cues to the point where that's all aging us. It's contributing because it's contributing to the mindset, right? right? If you have that mindset of this is typical and I accept this, you're, you're, you've already lost. Yes. You've already lost. And that's what makes your skin crawl. Absolutely. It does, but we can turn that around for them. So what do you think are a few things that people are doing unknowingly, maybe that are contributing to shortening their health span? Yeah, I think some of the biggest um, things that go on are um, not understanding how important sleep is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people miss out on that. Um, you're wearing an aura ring. I'm wearing a whoop band. Um, I think we've started using a lot more continuous glucose monitors in our uh, practice. Um, yes. And what we're finding is that if people don't feel something, uh, they think it's not happening. Like yep. you know, 50% of all people that have a heart attack have it while they're having, or have heart disease actually have it while they're having their first heart attack. Right. Mm. So and 50% of those people will die. So yeah. it's, 
Yeah. So it's a silent, there's a lot of silent processes going on in your body that you don't feel happening. High blood pressure. You don't necessarily feel that. Right. Uh, lack of sleep, you do. Um, and it's very, very important to get good quality sleep, more slow wave sleep, uh, et cetera. And these, I, I would encourage the audience to pick up a tracker. There's a, lots of different ones. The Apple Watch, BioStrap, Aura Ring, uh, Whoop, um, Garmin. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there that do a pretty good job. Even Fitbit has come a long way. Um, yeah. And um, I think start, start, tracking your sleep, start tracking your activity, whether it's steps or otherwise. And then I think, you know, start tracking what your blood sugar does. Uh, yes. A lot of people struggle with this and think about a, C, a continuous glucose monitor. Freestyle Libra uh, is a good one. And, um, you know, you wear it for a couple of weeks and it's real-time coaching. And the beauty, beauty of these devices is that they are real-time coaching. Yeah. Right? No better feedback than to get it right now. It's like, oh, I just ate that pear. I wonder what it did. Oh, geez, my blood sugar just went to 140. I didn't realize it was going to do that. Right. Yeah. So getting that feedback is massive. I just went to bed last night. I went to bed an hour later. Let's see what it did to my sleep quality. You know, mm -hmm. it's like real time feedback is just so valuable. So I think if you want to take control of your health, you need to start taking control of those of those data points, if you will. I could not be applauding that more. My listeners will know, but I, I don't think you know, I wore a Freestyle Libre for seven months and just recently um, put it back in after a couple of months off. I was blown away. Even by teaching this stuff day in, day out, my blood sugar was not optimal because of stress. My diet was fine. I never changed my diet through the whole seven months, but mm -hmm. the stress and the sleep quality just blew me away. And I would not have known that. Like you said, I didn't feel the high blood sugar because of stress. I would not have known that until I wore the Libre. I think it's a fantastic tool. I can't wait till it's more accessible to more people. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I, I've worn it. Uh, I didn't wear it for seven months. I probably wore it for a month. And like you, I was stunned at the things that I learned from it. It's like, geez, I didn't realize that. But you know, if I eat chia seeds, everything stays cool. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, chia is a good thing. But if I have uh, whatever, a piece of pumpkin pie, well, there it goes. So it's really fascinating. And in, in our world, we, we have, do a deep dive on genetics with people and we understand, and what we've seen over and over again, is that a lot of people, when they do eat something sugary, and we also, by the way, do two-hour glucose tolerance tests with insulin curves on everybody. You've probably seen that data. Yes. Uh, send over to you. But what we find is that there are a lot of people genetically that don't get the message that sugar has hit their system. And so they're sort of slow to the party, if you will, about releasing insulin. And so somebody that has a hemoglobin A1C that would be considered excellent, 5.2, 5.1, you know, whatever. You're not diabetic, right? Right. Your average blood sugar is 100 for the, you know, 24 hours a day average for 90 days. Um, they don't have an issue at all. And yet when they eat something sugary, they will clearly be diabetic for an hour. Their right. blood sugar will go to 180 um, and it may not come back down at the end of two hours. Right. And, and what's even more important or equally as important is that their insulin levels go up, right? So, you know, we're used to thinking about blood sugars, but when you do this two-hour glucose tolerance test and the freestyle Libra will show you what your insulin did, it doesn't measure, or what your glucose, glucose. did, it doesn't measure insulin, 
But when you do the, the test, you see what the insulin does. And all of a sudden you see how hard the pancreas is working, having to work to control it. You pick up whether or not there's insulin resistance, right? And you also, what people don't understand is high insulin levels are aging you more rapidly. Yes. And that's a massive thing that people don't understand. You're actually, when you're spiking your blood sugar, you're getting older more quickly. Yeah. Not just with advanced glycation end products where the sugar binds to the protein and kind of makes your joints hurt and everything gets stiff. Not just that. Those high insulin levels are pushing your cells to become senescent cells where they just don't work properly, right? And we could, that's a whole other conversation. But the idea is when you're eating the wrong things, you're aging that much faster and you're damaging your blood vessels right then. You're causing heart disease right that second because you're just destroying the glycocalyx, which protects the artery from cholesterol buildup. And that high sugar destroys the glycocalyx. So anyway, um, it's nice for people to understand that that the, the changes that you make based on this kind of information is having a real impact right this minute, both in terms of your arterial health and your longevity. So it's, it's kind of like a two for one. It's great. I love this. So let's just recap what you just said. I think it's super powerful. Even if your A1C, which is your kind of a, a three month metric of your blood sugar uh, right. average ish, yeah. uh, even if that's normal, you might be having these high spikes, high blood sugar spikes, and your insulin might be acting quote appropriately to bring that blood sugar down over time. But just by causing that high surge of insulin, you're aging your joints, you're aging your arteries, you are aging every single cell, potentially turning it into senescent cells. So that A1C doesn't tell everything. Is that correct? That's right. The A1C doesn't tell the story. And yet as in, you know, going to medical school, how we were trained and probably how you were trained too, is we were told, well, you look at the fasting blood sugar, you look at the A1C, and if those look okay, then they're okay. And yet what we see when you pull back the curtain is that there's all this activity going on, right? It's like a, it's like a nice house in a neighborhood. It's like, oh, everything looks peaceful and calm. And you open the door and there's just chaos inside. People are throwing stuff and fighting and, you know, destroying the inside of the house. Yes. Kind of like that. So... Love it. Great analogy there. Okay. So we were kind of hitting on stress. You mentioned the three things, the sleep, the um, stress, and you did mention one other thing, uh, activity, track on, tracking all those things. Yes. But talk to me more about stress. What kind of stressors are contributing to shortening our health span? Right. <clears throat> um, well, first off, uh, let me introduce you to a term. Uh, called hormetic stress. Um, hormetic stress is a good stress, yes. right? It's, and the, the, you know, the prototypical kind of hormetic stress would be, let's say lifting a weight. Yeah. Um, you lift a weight with your arm, you, you put stress on the arm. Uh, you actually even do microscopic amounts of damage to the muscle. Yeah. Um, and yet in response to that stress, the body sends out signaling to make the muscle stronger right? That's a hormetic stress. This is how you stay young, how you get strong. Same when you're running, you build up, uh, you can run further because your heart and lungs are getting stronger, your legs are stronger. There are other hormetic stressors that are key for longevity. One is calorie restriction. You don't need three meals a day. You just don't. Dr. Kellogg kind of convinced everybody that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. 
uh, but you don't need three meals a day. And condensing calories, doing intermittent fasting, or actually doing more prolonged fasting has been shown to actually reset so many mechanisms inside your cells that make them young again. So calorie restriction um, is massively important and it's a hormetic stress. Exercise is another hormetic stress, going for a run, you know, uh, riding your bike around White Rock, whatever you wanna do. That's another great stress. Getting into a sauna is another hormetic stress, which makes you young. It turns on heat shock proteins that help your proteins fold. It decreases dementia. The data on saunas is remarkable. I'll just take a second. In Scandinavia and Finland, they did a study for 20 years with over 3,000 men. And they put them, they looked at them based on their sauna usage. If they used it one day a week, and the minimum was 19 minutes at a temperature of about 180 degrees, okay. compared to people that used it four or more days a week, right? So it wasn't no sauna use. It was one day a week versus four or more. At the end of 20 years, what happened? The people that used it four or more days a week had a 65% reduction in dementia, 65% wow. reduction in Alzheimer's, 50% reduction in heart attack, 50% reduction in stroke, 40% reduction in cancer and all-cause mortality. Wow. So if you don't have a sauna in your house, you may want to think about getting a sauna. There's some nice infrared saunas out there you can get for under $1,000 that are low EMF, uh, et cetera. And we think hormetic stress is key. So exercise, calorie restriction, uh, condensing your calorie intake into a six or eight hour window in the course of the day, missing a dinner tonight, uh, you know, that kind of thing, going for a run, exercising when you're fasting, right, to actually add to the hormetic stress. We'll go for a run and jump in the sauna. Now you're stacking these things together. You're getting even more benefit. So hormetic stress is wonderful and we need it. Okay. Now, what you're referring to is chronic stress. Yeah. Uh, which is not hormetic stress. It's actually destructive stress. And it's the kind of stress that really comes from the mind, right? And so it's really the mind is the source of the stress. You know, unless somebody has your arm in a vice or something, right, where they're causing you physical pain, that's another stress in and of itself. But for most of us, um, stress that we experience is mental. And it has to do with us anticipating something that's going to happen in the future that hasn't happened or being worried about something that happened in the past that's already gone. Right. right. And so learning how to control your thoughts, right, is absolutely critical. Being able to learn how to meditate, mm -hmm. you know, you actually clear your mind uh, and you make peace with everything that is. You're not judging anything. You accept everything as it is. And you go to this space where just your mind is clear and as thoughts come in, you just let them go. But you're just kind of in this joyous place of just feeling so much gratitude for where you are, right? And so good about the fact that you have a chance to be here on the planet. And that really mitigates stress. The kind of stress we're talking about, bad stress. Plus, going for a run will mitigate stress. And there's a really nice metric or some form of exercise. There's a really nice metric that um, you can use to tell how is stress affecting your body. So in your case, you were using the Freestyle Libra and you saw that when you were under stress, your cortisol levels went up, of course, and that raised your blood sugar, right? Yeah. That's very common. Um, so using a Freestyle Libra is one, but the other one is using a whoop or an aura ring or one of these uh, other devices. They're also measuring something called heart rate variability. Yes. Heart rate variability or HRV is a direct measure of your stress level. Um, and so 
HRV is not, well, I'm sitting here talking to you. My heart rate is 55. And when I go jog across the grass, it'll go up to 85 or 90. That's not heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is the beat to beat variation in your heartbeat uh, rate, if you will, with breathing. And that's a direct mirror into or window into the balance between your sympathetic nervous system, which is adrenaline stress and parasympathetic, which is rest recovery. So when you meditate, you're activating parasympathetic. When you sit there and you're stressed about something that hasn't even happened yet, right? So all of it's a maybe you're activating the gas pedal. Yes. When you, when you activate the gas pedal, your heart rate variability goes down. And so you'll get a lower number. So you can look, okay, well, my heart rate variability is now 30. Okay, that's good real-time feedback. Or I'm meditating, I slept well, my body's well rested, uh, my heart rate variability is now 70, it's 80, it's over 100, whatever, you know, wherever it goes. And so this is a, a great real-time feedback that you can use to help you uh, manage stress in the sense that you're getting feedback on what you're doing that's contributing and what you're doing that's mitigating. So Absolutely. And just to be super clear on that, the heart rate variability, because this confuses people, myself included, when I started, it seems like lower variability would be good. It seems like if my heart was beating rhythmically, that would be good, but it's actually the opposite. When our heart is more under less stress and can vacillate between parasympathetic and sympathetic, that high heart rate variability is what we're going for. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. When there's a bigger variation in the uh, space between beats with respiration, that bigger variability is a, a sign that you're more at peace, quite honestly. It's almost like, think of it as free. It's like now your heart is free to kind of beat at its own rhythm. When, when it's under stress, it's forced. Now you're a galley slave on a Roman ship. Now you're forced to go to the higher tempo, right? Mm -hmm. That variability. So it's a high heart rate variability is sort of high freedom. It's like soaring with, with less stress. So. Yes. And for... Those of you who know my meditation journey, I was super resistant prior to like 2012, 2013. It just seemed like something that was too woo-woo. Like, how do I even know if it's working? I can't calm my brain. I'm not good at that. I had all the excuses in the world. Yep. And part of what helped me is just understanding that I don't have to be perfect. It's, it is just the act of awareness and um, uh, presence. And then part of what helped me, me was seeing that data when I could see, oh, after days in which I'm practicing meditation and I'm taking care of my body, and maybe I'm not going for a long endurance exercise eight days in a row, I see the heart rate variability increase. That is encouraging for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, congratulations on your journey, because I think learning to meditate is not necessarily the easiest thing. For me, the analogy is learning to ride a bike, right? So when you're learning to ride a bike, um, you know, you're going to fall off all the time, all the time, all the time. And you can't really, um, you know, I guess ask yourself the question, does it, does it help if you beat yourself up over the fact that you're falling off the bike? You're no. not going to learn any faster, right? No. So, so does it help if you're gracious to yourself and say, oh, this is interesting. I'm learning something here. Let me try this again. Let me try it a little different. What am I learning? What am I learning? A learner's mindset, as opposed to a judgmental mindset, yes. will really help mitigate a lot of stress. And so I've come to see that there actually is no failure in my life. Zero failure. I'm only learning. Everything like that. that I do is learning, right? So 
So when you move away from this very judgmental, you know, oh, if I if this happens, it's going to be a failure. No, everything is actually evolving. And I, I understand my life now that everything that's ever happened to me, and I had some things that I would have characterized as bad, everything yeah. that ever happened to me has actually brought me to this point. And wow. so it's actually all for the good. It's all been for the good. So when you kind of reframe your life, right, and you start to see that really this is all for the good and you're here to learn and you may not know how to meditate initially, but don't beat yourself up over that. Be gentle with yourself like you would with a little three or four year old child, right? It's like, it's okay, sweetie, you know, let's, we, we can do this, right? And so you basically um, give yourself permission to learn and to fail, um, which is just a form of learning. And then over time, you'll start to find that, oh, my mind was clear for a couple of seconds there. Yeah. Oh, that was a little bit like that. It's like riding the bike. I rode it for six feet. I rode it for 10 feet. And the next thing you know, it's like you're riding it. And the beauty of meditation is once you learn it, you don't forget it. Once you know what that feels like, you don't forget it, right? I mean, you can go back to that space because you know where you're trying to go. Initially, you don't know what it feels like to ride the bike. So it's all kind of foreign. So, but don't give up on that. But still, at least in my experience, some days you have great bike rides, metaphorical bike rides, and some days it's still more of a struggle. Even though I've been doing it for however many years, I find that some days I more naturally slip into that state. And some days my mind is just racing and I still practice every single day, giving myself grace and saying, oh, sweetie, you fell off. It's okay. Yeah, no, that's right. And and um, And then I think you just have to ask yourself, what is it that's that's getting in the way, you know, what am I, what can I learn about this particular day that's actually making it easier and helping me to glide into it? What are the features of this day that are making it like that? And then what are the features of this day that's making it more difficult? And typically what I found is that it's more, when I'm more living in reaction to things or living in resistance to something or, uh, you know, not living in a, an energy of growth and development when I'm more defensive and protective, then I have a harder time meditating. When I'm actually more in a mode of acceptance and growth, it's yeah. much easier to meditate, right? So, uh, yeah. So but, interesting. I haven't framed it that way to myself, but I'm sure that is true in my experience as well. And on that note of growth, you're a lifelong learner like I am. You've given us some really actionable takeaways that are accessible, like hormetic stress in the form of sauna or intermittent fasting or exercise, things like that. What are some things you're excited about learning these days, like some cutting edge things you're really excited about? Um, Well, what I'm super excited about is that on the um, circle of longevity, there are actually 18 different levers on there for us. Nine of them are the hallmarks of aging. Some of them are mindsets, et cetera. Um, Hormetic stress shows up there. Circadian rhythm actually shows up there. Mm. Circadian rhythm, which you're very familiar with, uh, is super important. Um, And that's almost another podcast in itself. But it's basically that your body wakes up in the morning, goes to bed at night, and basically matching those rhythms of when when it's alert and awake and when it needs to rest, that's really important too. But I think what I'm super excited about is in that circle of longevity, what we've learned is that it's not just about pulling all the levers. There's actually a sequence in which those levers need to be pulled. Mm. And there's actually a frequency, intensity, and duration with which they need to be pulled. So in essence, when when you learn that, we're getting these really big gains now in metrics of longevity, like 
DNA methylation age, which is a, a measure of your age of the DNA. So I've been able to drop my DNA age by 10 years and six months. Wow. Yeah. And telomere, uh, telomeric age, uh, telomeres are the end caps on your chromosomes. They get shortened every time a cell divides. You know, when your uh, telomeres get short, your cells become senescent. You know, senescent cells become sort of this common denominator where things fall when they're not working right. Well, I've been able to add, you know, 14 years of life to my telomeres in the last six months. Goodness. So, right. And so I've been able to heal my right knee from a uh, meniscus fracture that I had in it. It wasn't a tear, but a meniscus fracture uh, and get that back working just fine. So, wow. yeah. So what, when you, when you do things properly um, in the right sequence and you're actually dropping things in as opposed to just, well, just take all this stuff and see what happens. Um, we're finding that we're getting just remarkable results. So we're super excited about that. I love that. I'm glad you healed your meniscus fracture because you have another hundred years with us here on this planet, right? At least. Yeah. At least. Oh my <laughs> goodness. What's your, your current another, target? Uh, I'm just trying to live long enough to do another podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's been a year of me doing the podcast. We won't wait to another year to get no, Dr. No. Godden back on. No, I think, you know, um, what I'm really focused on is not so much the age that I'm going to live to, but the age that I'm going to be while I'm alive. Um, yes. So right now I'm claiming 27. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm claiming 27 because I have some metrics that would push me into my 20s, actually. Uh, cardiovascular fitness is exceptional for somebody in their 20s, things like that. But it's also the mindset. I feel like I've got the mindset of like I did when I was in graduate school and medical school, right? Just learn, 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 just devouring information, integrating information, creating new ideas. Um, you know, it's such a youthful place to live. And I I love being in that space. So, yeah. you know, I want to maintain that for, you know, if I get hit by a bus, I get hit by a bus, but I want to maintain that for as long as possible. So absolutely. I am inspired. I know the audience is inspired. I always like to boil it down to one takeaway, which is almost impossible. You've given us so much gold here, but just choose your favorite. What's one thing each audience member can do today? Well, I think you have to take control of your own health. That's probably, mm -hmm. if there was one takeaway, that's probably it. You have to take responsibility for your health. Nobody is going to do it. The sick care system is not going to do it. Your doctor is not going to do it. Uh, you know, if you're working with Megan, Megan's not even going to do it. That's right. She's, she's there to assist you. She's there to coach you just like we coach our clients as well. But really you have to take control of this. And I think having uh, a, the right mindset to go with that of taking control boils down to what questions are you asking? Because in life, you're only going to get the answers to the questions that you ask. So if you're asking, how do I retire at age 65? Those are the answers you'll get. If you're asking, how do I lose 10 pounds? That's the answer you'll get. If you're asking, no, how do I actually get back to where I was at my best in life and maintain that? Then those are the answers you'll get. So think carefully about what questions you're asking and take control of your own health. I think those would be the biggest takeaways. Oh, Major applause. I love that takeaway. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. How can people get more information from you or get in touch with your clinic? Um, yeah, they can go to the to the website, Gladden Longevity, G-L-A-D-D-E-N, uh, longevity.com. And then there's ways for them to contact us there or 
or see information. And we also have a podcast uh, that I do uh, that we'll have to have you on actually called Living Beyond 120, Living Beyond 120. Um, and we've been doing that for several years. It's, it's actually become, uh, we've just seen recently, it's become like the number three longevity podcast in the world. So amazing. We're pretty, yeah, we're pretty stoked about that. So it seems to be building an audience. So very well deserved. I love the podcast. I'd love to be a guest and we will link to Glad and Longevity. I'll link to that 2013 cell study that you mentioned, a mm-hmm. couple of uh, blog posts that I have and the Living Beyond 120 podcast all in the show notes for this. Thank you one more time, Dr. Gladden, for being on the My podcast. Pleasure. I loved having you here. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much. If you've been working on your health, but you don't yet feel the results, listen up. There is so much false information and so much negativity in the health world, but I promise you there is a better way. And I call that way the Revitalize Method. It's what I've put together after doing over 8,000 hours of one-to-one coaching and helping so many thousands of people change their lives on an individual basis. I can't help everyone one-to-one, but I can share the secrets with you in a brand new group program. Every single woman who has been through this Revitalize program has raved about it. Women who have been struggling with their health, with their body image, and their energy levels for decades finally feel amazing. If you're looking for science-backed information presented in a usable, actionable way with all the resources, recipes, tracking sheets, handouts, strategies, and tactics you need to succeed, Revitalize is for you. You'll have accountability, support, and encouragement every step of the way. You'll have access to twice-weekly live coaching calls with me. And yes, you'll get lifetime access. This is the deal of a lifetime, and I'm making it because I want to help you truly change your life in the most positive way possible. Revitalize is the last health program you will ever need. So if you're ready to feel empowered and energized about your health, head over to www.thelionshare.org slash revitalize to learn more about the program. And let's chat to see if you're a match to be the next reveler. You heard him, my friends. Dr. Gladden urged us all to take control of our health. And it's as simple as making that commitment to yourself right now. So close your eyes if it's safe to do so and make the commitment to yourself, not the hope, not the dream, the commitment that you will do your best for your health today. This is the most important thing you could do for yourself right now. I'll bet you know that one thing that you could do If you were truly committed, that would really up-level how you feel and would contribute to a longer health span for you. Think about the questions you've been asking yourself. Have you been focusing on the powerful questions that will elevate you mentally and physically? Or have you been focusing on those questions of negativity? You have the power to change that, and it starts with your commitment now. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way. I will be back in your earbuds next week 
for all about acid reflux, the 10,000 step a day guideline being questioned, grain-free products, and so much more. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.